Samuel, I'm really looking forward to this episode that we're going to do today because it's like really important and uh, it's really important for marriages. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Jesus spoke a lot about, Mm -hmm. like a lot, a lot, (laughs) is he talked about forgiveness and to be to be a follower of his. Mm -hmm. He said, you have to have a lifestyle of forgiveness. Mm Well, I think the cool thing is, I think he would also say, if you're going to be married, you also have to have a lifestyle of forgiveness. And that's what we're talking about today. That is so good, Kelly. I think that if you equate discipleship with marriage, they are close cousins. In fact, I think they're brother and sister. In fact, I think they're the same. And I think that that is what we're going to be able to share and talk about today in terms of bettering your marriage, bettering your relationship, understanding what forgiveness is. Let's take a listen to this. This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonniewell. Greetings, listeners. Uh, Welcome back to Together. Again, we're excited uh, to um, have another amazing episode uh, coming your way. Um, This is this is going to be a great topic, Kelly, to share and talk about. You know, I think we think about um, what we're talking about, which is forgiveness. We think about it sometimes in just the individual context, which we will talk about today. But um, the powerful part is, you know, when you think about a married couple, uh, when they get into the place of forgiveness, uh, how much more impactful their marriage can be for each other, you know. And I, I like to always say that you know, forgiveness is the, the the hidden secret love language that guides all the other love languages. You know, if you got forgiveness, man, it's gonna help you a whole lot more. <laughs> I really like that, yeah. Samuel. Yeah, I think forgiveness is absolutely crucial to having a healthy marriage. Yeah, you've heard me say this before multiple times. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of the Apostle Paul. Yeah. And he said about himself, he's the, he said, I am the worst of sinners. sinners. <laughs> I mean, think about that. He said that. Yeah. And I think when he's saying that, he's saying that on some level, we, we each can take that label. And so marriage is my marriage to Julie. She's the worst of sinners. Mm-hmm. And then Kelly's the worst of sinners. Mm-hmm. And we are going to mess up. We're going to hurt one another. We're going to not always do the right thing. And so therefore forgiveness probably in different phases of our marriage is like a daily exercise. So I'm so, you know, you, Samuel, this is your baby. You wanted to talk about forgiveness. And I'm so glad that you did because This is a staple of marriage, you know? Yeah. You know, I can imagine, and especially the family that I come from, Kelly, where there are those moments um, where I've seen so many individuals get divorced and so many individuals have, you know, uh, extramarital affairs and so on. And in this, I'm like, Lord, how much and how powerful it would have been for people to have a understanding of what forgiveness looks like, um, especially uh, biblical forgiveness, because, you know, everybody has something to say about, oh, this is how you forgive and this is how you do it. And and when you don't have that foundation, which drives everything else, you see so many people impacted 
buy that thing. That's a personal recollection of, you know, my family experience, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen it, um, whether it's them personally or in their families as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we got a good one today. So uh, I think <laughs> we're going to we're going to jump in. Um, I think that um, just to kind of start this off, Kelly, there's this piece of trying to understand, you know, where, you know, where do we even notice the sometimes that need to forgive? Because, you know, the world will tell you, well, you don't really need to forgive if you don't like your spouse, you know, or something happens. Just just to say your spouse, you know, was going to the store and forgot to get uh, some salt for the uh, roast beef at night. You know, oh, that's OK. Just say that's oh, OK. It's all right. But then let's just say they forgot the pepper the next time and forgot the the chicken base the next time. And so or on. And forgot the chicken and forgot the chicken. Right. <laughs> then all of a sudden it becomes a pattern. And yeah. you're like, wait a minute. Like, mm-hmm. um. I really am starting to harbor those feelings of unforgiveness because you keep forgetting. That means you don't care about me. Then that turns into something else. And so I think that in the beginning, sometimes we have to just need to to clarify and define, you know, what does it even start with in terms of, you know, how do we even notice we need to forgive? And, you know, that's a simple one. But I think that. You know, one of the things that I've always thought about was this aspect of miscommunication. You know, that's a huge one, huge indicator of, you know, this need to forgive because with miscommunication, you know, I think about this statement. The statement says, uh, um, it comes from an old adage that says, I said this and you heard that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I said this, but you heard that. And how many times in mirrors do we read? We're trying to say something by something in terms of what we mean or how we feel about a thing, but the other person doesn't understand. And so over the course of time, you you have to take time to really understand what your spouse is trying and attempting to communicate. And in often cases, that has to do with your communication style as well. Mm-hmm. You know, some people come across very uh, aggressive and passive. And the goal is to be assertive for both couples to be both people in the in the marriage to be assertive. But also, um, you know, I think leading in that aspect, may you may be more apt to forgive um, if you understood how you're partner is trying to communicate to you you know in that you know i think that's one one area another area is we get into arguments what are you talking about yeah. <laughs> arguments arguments What's julie a, and i've never had well, an we've argument. never argued in our marriage you know what's so funny <laughs> about that kelly me and my wife for the first like five five years of our marriage were like yeah we don't really argue we just have conversations oh, that's funny and i and i and i go back and i'm like no Arguments or conversations with a lot of heat. Oh, yeah, we've argued. <laughs> you know, and I think uh, sometimes when I'm working with couples, I say, hey, let's just imagine an argument is like a mathematical equation. I said mathematical equation may be your point of view. And you ever seen that greater than or less than sign and an equivalent sign to mm-hmm. your point of view? Often you feel is greater than their point of view. Argument. <laughs> You know, and I think that in those in those moments, um, if we really want to work on what forgiveness looks like, especially if arguments are an indicator of that, uh, we want to work on. Well, my point of view is equivalent to your point of view. Mm-hmm. And we have to navigate what that actually looks like. Just a simple mathematical equation. Um, I think another one that often leads to this place of a need to forgive is your partner's annoying tendencies and habits wait okay samuel what are you what are you talking about all these things you're bringing up with me i don't have any annoying habits <laughs> well let's get julie on here let's get julia tova on here and get her talking. oh i have many right um i think like i'm sure you have like just you know probably a whole lot of examples of what that looks like um but also like i just think of 
sometimes I, and I'll use myself because we're not going to be good podcast hosts unless we talk about ourselves too. Right. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I know that, you know, I, somewhere along the years of my seven plus years of marriage, you know, I had a, I had a habit of snoring, mm. you know, I had a, had a habit of snoring this past tense. Well, that's good. Uh, yes. Um, but I think that I can remember, man, when I was, um, when I had that habit, you know, I remember that it would begin to wake my wife up at times and or she would tell me, Samuel, um, I can't get to sleep because you started snoring before I got there. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember um, she started talking to me about this over the course of time. And it just was something I felt like she just had to accept. Listen, uh, marriage vows for better or worse. So you're going to just <laughs> have to do with me snoring. But of course, that's not acceptable in our in our relationship. And so um, you throw in a baby, you throw in the stressful days at work, you throw in, you know, just some of those minor issues. And then sleeplessness leads to fatigue. Mm-hmm. That fatigue led to, I think, irritability for both of us mm-hmm. because we kept talking about the same thing. Now, all of a sudden, this annoying habit has turned into something else where she begins to resent you know this particular manner and so just in those simple throws of things we begin to have these annoying habits that lead to um, even an intricate place of unforgiveness it can be as simple as that i have so i definitely i have a lot of annoying habits uh uh and i think annoying habits come from two places Mm. Uh, they probably come from more than this but i've been thinking about this and so one place that annoying habit comes from it's a area of growth for you. Mm. Okay. So annoying habit could be, well, I'll use myself. When I married Julie, I, well, let me put it in the reverse. I think Julie is a clean freak. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and really what I mean by that is when I first met Julie, I was a slob. Hmm. And that was an annoying habit to her. And I was either going to mature and grow in that area yeah, or um, not. And it was going to be a consistent place of conflict in our relationship, most likely. Another place where I think annoying habits come from, and Julie and I are dealing with this right now in our marriage. Um, well, we always have, but... Uh, Annoying habits come from different personality styles. Mm-hmm. I'm used to doing it this way. She's used to doing it this way. So let me talk to you about dishwashers. <laughs> okay. And this is all based on personality style. Julie is ultra detail oriented. Okay. Kelly's not detail oriented. Uh, I'm more like, let's just get her done. Mm. Okay, so when it comes to dishwashers, how do you think I fill the dishwasher? You probably just put it in until it fits. Get her done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, Julie will open the dishwasher sometimes, not all the time, and she'll just look <laughs> at it and she'll roll her eyes. Annoying habit. Okay. Can you, can you hear this? <laughs> and uh, she will reorganize the dishwasher sometimes. Yeah. Because what happens? Kelly looks at that and he rolls his eyes and is kind of thinking, well, there was no need to do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that is based on, in part, personality styles. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bible, in that circumstance that I just shared with you, 
I think the Bible has a really good uh, verse uh, for us to practice probably daily, and that is it challenges us to overlook an offense. Mm. Okay? So on Julie's better days, when she opens up the dishwasher and sees that it's maybe a little bit uh, haphazard, um, maybe she needs to overlook an offense mm-hmm. or vice versa. When she reorganizes it and that maybe would annoy me. Yeah. Um, because I, may, maybe my attitude would be, well, I didn't do it good enough. <laughs> um, it's my job maybe to overlook an offense. And there's a story here that I want to share with our listeners, Samuel, because it changed my marriage. Mm. Literally. Uh, I, it was year seven of our marriage, and I was golfing with a good friend of mine named Dave. And Dave was about 15 years older than me, and I really looked up to Dave. And uh, so this story is actually 20 years ago. And uh, we're golfing, and we're on the ninth hole. And there were some people ahead of us, and they were very, very slow. But it gave us the chance to sit down on this bench at the ninth hole. And I was just kind of shooting the breeze with Dave. And I said, Dave, what would be the best marriage advice you'd give somebody? And he said, oh, I know exactly what that advice is. I said, well, what is it? He says, bring peace to your marriage. Mm, So good. And that hit me, Samuel, like a ton of bricks. So good. So good. Because God used that to convict me. Because we've talked about this before on many other podcasts. I'm a D on the disc. Mm -hmm. And Ds are totally okay with conflict and bringing conflict. And it hit me like a ton of bricks at how often I would not bring peace. And, uh, and, and so I, you know, I just want to challenge our listeners, especially as it pertains to annoying habits. Bring peace to your marriage. Mm. Is this really f- worth fighting for? I think of, you know, you've said it, I'm positive in a counseling session with couples, and that is, was that argument or was that detail or whatever it was, was it worth getting an argument over and creating disconnection? Mm-hmm. You know, when I think of that bring peace piece, bring peace part, um, that reminds me of just a simple scripture that says, you know, love God, but also love your neighbor as yourself and your neighbor in many cases in your marriage is your wife mm-hmm. or your spouse, your husband. And when you're attempting to love that individual, you're going to also attempt to out serve that person. And if you're attempting to out serve, like, for example, in my case, there's some things I could have did about my snoring. Right. It, mm-hmm. it was annoying to my wife. A, lose weight. <laughs> mm-hmm. B, you know, get on a better diet. C, go get a CPAP machine if I need that. You know, all those types of things to make sure I can serve my wife so that way she can grow. But because I think that piece of what leads to forgiveness is is what you just said. We don't want to walk in a place of peace with the other spouse or we don't know how or we don't recognize that this is something that can be leading to a place of unforgiveness. And so, Kelly that peace piece, <laughs> that peace piece is, is super important. And I think that's setting us up for our conversation today. Um, I think we need to talk about what it looks like for forgiveness to be defined biblically. Mm-hmm. And 
the biblical part about this is that if we use this as a foundation for our forgiveness pieces, um, it'll always help us have really good context on what this looks like. For example, right, I think of, you know, Colossians 3 and 13, and, and we're going to do a lot of scripture reading here, listeners. So this is something you can write down, you can note it, but scripture is going to be super foundational for forgiveness. And I think of Colossians 3 and 13, and it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Like there's something about learning to bear with one another. I remember that was the very first message that I ever preached at a church. It's very cool. Very first message I preached about. I had a T-shirt. It had a bear on the front <laughs> and on the back of my T-shirt, it said forbearance. <laughs> Oh, I, <laughs> and, and and that's that, that's this is why this is why this is so near and dear to my heart, Kelly. Um, you know, in that being my first ever sermon, I remember I could I imagine I imagine this, but I can remember when I started talking about this, the um, imaginary darts that were coming from people's eyes that were in the audience <laughs> <laughs> as I began to preach this. And I think with Colossians three, you know, we have to understand that you can't punish the perpetrator or yourself. In those moments, because punishing someone will not heal you. In fact, punishing someone will only harm yourself because you're looking for, you know, that that piece of, well, I got some level of recompense, you know, from the other person. And so we have to learn to forbear with each other. Matthew six fourteen through 15. Another scripture says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, let's just put our spouse there. If you forgive your spouse when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive your spouse their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's a really powerful <laughs> and convicting verse. If we really if we really sit down and read what it really says. Yeah. Talk about it, Kelly. Talk well, about I it. I just, you know, it, it's hitting on. uh you know, a key to our faith as Christians is uh, forgiveness. I mean, that that's the core of who we are as followers of Jesus. And that verse is really biting in that, you know, if you don't forgive, if you don't forgive somebody, God's not going to forgive you. Mm. Ouch. You know, so I think on some level, each of us in our walk in life needs to ask, have I forgiven everybody that I need to forgive? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's a very powerful verse. Yeah. And I think of just a, just a couple others, you know, you can think about, you know, second Corinthians five and 17. Therefore, if anyone that means potentially all of our listeners, most of our listeners, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. How many of us would love to say, man, I'm walking in a newness of my relationship with my wife because I've learned how to forgive them. And because it's part of my new nature in Christ, like knowing that that is who we are, that helps us let go of, you know, being defined by the past and being defined by being the wounded one. Because mm -hmm. I think we'll talk about that about a little bit, too, is that sometimes we often feel the aspect of being wounded and we identify with that wound, Kelly. We identify with that spiritual heart. We identify with those things, and that begins to impact our mental space. And when it impacts our mental space, now we're always holding an offense with our spouse. And so if we understand that those things are a part of when we're navigating unforgiveness with the ones that we say we love, right? It's something when you lay in bed with your spouse and you have not forgiven them. You're holding all these offenses. You're holding all the things in the past that have been done. And you're like, well, Sam, I've been hurt. 
Sam, I've been feeling this type of way, but I'm a believer. I've been serving God all my life, but I don't like my spouse because of what they did last night. Like Mm -hmm. this is where it begins to get really real. Mm -hmm. And in those conversations that have to be had, well, if you are a believer, if you're, you know, if you are a friend of God, what does the word say about this? And then how do you begin to process that? And I think that that is so important when we're talking about, you know, what scripture actually says about it. And I, you know, I could give you so many more and we'll have some more in the show notes, but I think that these scriptures allow us to have a really good base, at least to not only understand the context of what it means to forgive 70 times seven, anybody, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But what that also means for us to walk in the process of it. And I think that that helps us understand it. So, um, Kelly, the thing about forgiveness, though, and I know you're going to start talking about this, is this aspect of forgiveness and apology go together, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I, I, what do you think about this aspect of how do we actually apologize in, in this frame? Yeah, I, I, I was driving in to, re- to the, our recording today, and I was thinking about this more, and I actually thought of a story Mm. That happened to me, like right when I became a Christian, and uh, there is power—I mean, like essential power—in the art of apology. And I think that we, as couples who are married, and or just even just as Christians, uh, we need to get used to the words "I am sorry." Oof. And there's power in that. And I learned that really vividly. I was probably 20 years old. I had just come to faith. I was going to school in Chicago, and I was an English tutor. And uh, my boss, let's just say we had a challenged relationship, Mm. okay? And uh, we weren't connected. Mm -hmm. Uh, We weren't on the same page. And I did something wrong. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't like this grievous thing, but I, I maybe didn't show up. I can't even remember what I did wrong. But there was also a part of it where I remember it was on her too a little bit. Mm-hmm. And my initial reaction was, well, I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> she needs to apologize first. And... uh and very clearly, it was actually one of the, probably one of the very first times God spoke to me, and He said, "Kelly, I need you to go apologize to her." And uh, I'll never, I Samuel, I will never forget that moment in my life. Walk, I can, I can picture her office. Mm-hmm. I can picture being nervous going into her office, and I sat down in the chair, and I said, "I can't today. I can't even remember her name. We'll call her Lori." Uh, I said, sat in the chair opposite of her desk. I said, Lori, uh, I need to apologize to you. I messed up and, uh, I, um, and I'm sorry. And she looked at me and and the funny thing about it was she was stunned. Mm. She was shocked that I did that. Mm. And, uh, what it did, what was really cool about it. I worked as an English tutor for another two years. After that, we had an amazing relationship. And, and so for me, I think for, for us that we always need to remember, one way, one way to think about it, Samuel, if you're married, there's a good chance that you might have to apologize once a week mm. at the very least. Mm. And yet with that, 
one of the things I want to encourage our listeners to think about when it comes to apology, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. Mm. So I'm going to give some, uh, some examples of that. Uh, number one, you can have a person who never apologizes. Okay. Uh, don't be that person. Uh, or it's an apology. This is the one I hear a lot of. It's an apology with but. Samuel, I'm sorry, but you made me angry. It's, a con- that, it's conditional. Yeah, it's not an apology. <laughs> um, and then the final thing which I, I can walk our listeners through is apology actually requires some key things other than just saying I'm sorry. So here they are. Number one, when you apologize, it's important for you to say I'm sorry, but for specifically what you did wrong. Okay? So you can't just say, uh, honey, I'm sorry. You got to say, honey, I'm sorry I screamed at you in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay? Second part, remember, there can be no buts. It can't be, I'm sorry I screamed at you, but you made me angry. Mm-hmm. No, own it. Look in the mirror and own it. Um, the third thing, a part of apology should be you on some low, especially if it's a consistent thing that you're doing, uh, that you say, okay, I'm going to try to, honey, I'm going to try to change. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to stop, for example, yelling at you. I'm going to try to talk to you when I'm upset in a normal tone. And then finally, and this maybe is the most important one. You have to offer specifics how Mm. you are not going to do this again. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, here's one or two ideas. So, with the person, with the guy who yelled at his spouse, honey, I'm sorry, I'm going to do my best not to do it again, and when I get angry with you, I'm going to take a time out, meaning I'm going to leave the room and I'm going to shut my mouth, Mm -hmm. okay? So, you get specific about it. Mm. Or if it's uh, an apology about not being a promise keeper, not not doing what you said you were going to do, yeah. like, oh, I said I was going to pick up the kids and then you didn't pick up the kids At or something all. like that. Right. Well, a specific way maybe would be, honey, I'm going to put it on my calendar and I'm going to give myself an alarm. So mm. again, I think it's really important when you apologize to somebody to offer specifics about how you're going to try to create change in your personal life. Yeah, and I think that's something that we're we're drawing out in this podcast is number one, forgiveness doesn't have to be based on an just an egregious offense. It's those intricate moments that we begin to memorize or remember of something that offended us, something that you know we did not like that a partner did, something that they said the way that they treated us, whatever it is, those things, it can be as small as those moments where you didn't put the dishes in the dishwasher the way that was appreciated can lead to unforgiveness. It could be those moments where all of a sudden I forgot to pick up the kids. Hey, I just forgot one time, but it turns into a huge moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that those things that begin to happen, you know, when you're, when you're navigating those things, again, we're always trying to say, well, we need to, Think about forgiveness when someone has an affair or when someone is on the verge of being divorced. No, there's those moments that are day to day, week to week that begin to build over time. And I think that that's something that I hear you trying to draw out um, or hear you drawing out, Kelly, um, in this. And I think that I want to go back to your point number three and four. Promise to do your best to not do it again 
and that other piece of offer specifics. I can remember um, one of my very first clients. Um, in fact, I think this was in my internship, Kelly, um, back when I was at GRTS, one of my very first clients. I had a gentleman who had a couple kids and um, was, uh, you know, had a wife and he was caught in an, emo- an emotional cheating thing. So he hadn't, you know, did anything except on the Internet. And mm-hmm. in this moment um, of, of emotional cheating, my wife called him. And so his whole identity of forgiveness was based off of, you know what? I don't want to be caught anymore. I don't want to keep doing this and embarrassing and hurting my kids. And it was all about, I hope they can forgive me. Well, before we can get to the process of him asking for those things, which are part of your points, he had to get to a place where he could believe that he could be forgiven himself. And this aspect of self-forgiveness often cases is a complement to proper contemplation and self-reflection. Very good, Samuel. Yeah, absolutely. And in those moments of self-reflection and contemplation, you often embody how you feel, the shame, the guilt of something. Mm -hmm. But when you don't deal with that, then all of a sudden you're hoping that someone else, (laughs) the person that you offended, the kids that you offended, can give you something that you haven't even received for yourself. And so that's why in those moments, contemplation, self-reflection, going to Jesus, going to the cross and saying, God, in those moments, I need forgiveness for myself first. And that's one thing that he had to do. He had to get forgiveness for himself first and take that shame out, take that guilt out, embody what Christ means to reconcile him in those moments. When he began to do that, he began to get free. And then the next step was, okay, let's work on walking on that talking about your offense to your spouse, you know, and with your kids in a way that can lead to forgiveness now then from them. But you got to do it for yourself first. And I think that so many people get it wrong, Kelly, when they walk that out, like, well, I got to get that affirmation. They're seeking affirmation for my offense Mm -hmm. (laughs) when you try to get forgiveness from someone first, as opposed to walking it out for yourself first and then taking that step. And so in those moments, it's like, when you do that, then you can get to that place where you're like, okay, hey, listen, this is what I did. And I processed it for myself because I know I left you. <laughs> when I finally got free, I know I left you in that space where I jacked up. But now I can go to that space where I properly have given it to God and I need to go to you and say, hey, I'm sorry. I did this and I need help and I need your support and I want to walk through it with you if you're willing to forgive me because you can't force forgiveness either. You have to ask for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to ask for it. Can't force forgiveness. Yeah. It's a process. It is. It is. And so I think that's that point where, you know, maybe people sometimes don't necessarily understand how to how to experience what forgiveness actually feels like and looks like. And in those moments of what forgiveness looks like, I think we have to kind of talk about what that means. And I think you just said it, it is a process. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's a process I think that I think that brings us from a place of peace and acceptance. I think forgiveness, it frees us. It frees us to become fully present in the moment of our lives where we're needing that moment. I think it also, it releases us from, you know, replaying the circumstances over and over in our mind. That's what forgiveness, the experience of it is. There's also the experience of it being liberating. It liberates us from becoming a prisoner to our own hurts and pains. And so I think that in those moments when we recognize what Jesus does in that moment, when he meets us 
at our sin, when he meets us at our offense, when, we, when he meets us at those little intricate moments that we just have ran over in the past. We're like, oh, that's nothing, but it really hurts somebody. Those are those moments when we can actually begin to be free, released, let the time, the process of time take its place. But in those, also in those moments, we have to recognize what forgiveness is not. And I think that in forgiveness, what it's not, it's not condoning someone's sin, mm-hmm. right? It's not saying that what someone did was okay. You know, it's, it's not necessarily even forgetting because mm-hmm. we can't erase the past, even though God throws our past and our sin as far as the East is from the West, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. God does that. Um, but I think instead the past can be a strong teacher. Um, you know, it can be something that we learn to um, use judgment in, in those moments. I think forgiveness also, we also think sometimes, well, I feel better. I feel emotionally eased. It's not emotionally, emotionally easy. It's not. And you don't ignore your thoughts and feelings. You know, we know that in those moments, your pain has actually really impacted you when forgiveness happens, when unforgiveness has happened. And in those moments that we need to process things, because it is a process, we have to let sometimes our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings appreciate that moment. And I say appreciate lightly because it's hard. It's difficult to appreciate moments when you're like, man, I messed up. And I feel what this may have, how this may have impacted someone, or I feel how this has impacting me. And so I have to begin to learn how to process this for myself. Forgiveness is not trust. It's not just this one-time decision. Okay, you did wrong. I forgive you. Now we back on, you know, A's and B's. We're good together. No, sometimes that's not the case. You have to learn to have trust be given back to a mm-hmm. situation, given back to you, you know? And in those moments, I think that when we often think it is a one-time decision, it often takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of John Gottman and, and, and how he talks about the sound relationship house is built off of trust <laughs> and commitment along with all these other layers. Well, trust takes time. When you when you abandon or when you have mistrust happen, often cases, the spouse is going to be like, I'm not going to get with you right away. I need to take some time to process what this means to me as well. And then I can learn to trust you again. Then I can learn to commit with you again. And in those moments, we have to take the time to do that. And I think as a part of the sound relationship, house, I like to add this. You know, we have to learn how to put boundaries. Mm-hmm. in place so that way we learn not to do it again <laughs> mm-hmm. you know we put we put dignity in place and that comes from lesson leslie perrette where we talk about what does boundaries and dignity mean in the moment when unforgiveness happens and i need to learn how to or work through what forgiveness looks like um i think that those are key pieces and i think one thing that tony evans also said he says forgiveness can't be conditional going back to a point that you made earlier we often places times put ourselves in places where, well, I'm going to forgive you if. Correct. <laughs> right. Kelly, how many moments or how many clients or people that we've seen? I'm going to forgive if, if you do this, mm-hmm. you know, and that begins to be um, a key piece of understanding how to really truly experience it, what it is and what it isn't and what that actually looks like. That's so good. Yeah. You know, and one way to think about it, as you just were talking we got to remind ourselves that marriage is hard work and it's not easy. And, uh, you've got to, no matter, you know, no matter if you've been married two years or 20 years or 40 years, 
you're always working on being a better person. You're always working on having a more vibrant marriage. And, uh, and obviously forgiveness is a part of that. And another, yeah. on the flip side, if yeah. you think about it this way, unforgiveness is the disconnector. If you have unforgiveness towards somebody, whether it's your child or your spouse or a friend, it automatically creates disconnection. Mm. And that's not what God wants. God wants connection. Now, again, it might you might have to go through a season of apology mm-hmm. and trust, as you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But again, for our listeners to think, is there anybody, you know, for, for your spouse, are there some things that you really haven't forgiven them for? Mm-hmm. And they could be, another important part of this too, Samuel, is there's like micro forgiveness and macro forgiveness. Micro yeah. forgiveness, what I mean by that is, There's these, like, that would fall under the umbrella of the annoying habits. (laughs) You know, there's just these consistent micro things that are happening in your life with your spouse that's annoying, and you get this buildup of unforgiveness. Yeah. Okay? Address that. The macro side of it doesn't happen with every couple, and those would be the big things, Mm -hmm. like an affair Mm -hmm. or like a significant mismanagement of money or something like that. Mm. That's good. That's good. I I hope that our listeners are getting um, (laughs) all the tea, as I would say, all the good tea that can help them in their marriage in this place. And I and I think that in it, you know, and I I wrote something down just for my own thought process. And one thing I wrote down, I was thinking about the other day, I said the Holy Spirit, um, when we allow him to be a part of this process of forgiveness, he really gives us steps of time. He allows time. To help us understand our own story. He allows time for God to enter the picture to use the pain of that story. He allows time then to tell our story to the spouse that we may have hurt, you know, with truth. He allows time to let ourselves and the other person heal once we do tell the story. He then allows time to not control the outcome. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, we then still learn to fully trust God. For the best outcome. Mm -hmm. And so this comes from, I think, you know, that adage of when we hear it in the Bible, and you might have heard it from, you know, Pastor Jefferson of seed, then time, Mm -hmm. then harvest. Mm -hmm. Time is so important Mm -hmm. in allowing the Holy Spirit to work through um, our marriages, especially when there is that place of forgiveness being needed. So. And that's just something I wrote down clearly the other day, you know, as I was processing it for myself because, oh. I've needed forgiveness for a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny that you're t- we're talking about this, Samuel, because last night I was reading Matthew, and uh, I came upon the parable of the debtors. Mm. And uh, I'll paraphrase this for our listeners, and also in more in modern terms. So there's a king, and he's got a subject in his kingdom, and this person owes him a trillion dollars. Mm. A trillion dollars mm-hmm. okay and he throws him in jail and the subject please cries out please forgive me please forgive me and the king forgives him mm. forgives him the trillion dollars mm. and then though the story goes on jesus t- continues the story and he goes out and he sees uh, uh an acquaintance that he's loaned a hundred dollars to mm-hmm And he yells at him, I want my $100. And the guy says, I don't have it. 
and he throws him into jail. Hmm. Here's a guy who's just been forgiven a trillion dollars. I have a story that ties to this that I often shared that parable with a client I had many, many years ago. Hmm. It was a, a couple remarriage. Uh, from my take, I thought they got married a little too quick, but they got married. And they had been married for about six months, and it came out that the wife had $70,000 in credit card debt that she hadn't shared with her now husband. Wow. And Samuel, one aspect of that credit card debt was it was like Sears credit cards and JCPenney. It was like all these retail so it was all these like little expenses that built up to $70,000. So it wasn't like it was a car or furniture. It was just all these little things and she had hit it. And he was so angry and uh, angry that mm. she on some level lied to him because she hadn't shared the truth. And so in a way, his anger was valid, right? His anger was valid. Mm. But. As we're talking about all today, forgiveness is an essential of marriage. And he was going to leave her. And one of the things he was and he wasn't going to leave her. Okay. Yeah. He was one of those people who he would come in and initially it would be all talk. And by the end, he'd be like, okay, well, let me think about this some more. Mm -hmm. And it took actually about two months to get him on the other side of this. Mm. So again, with that story, one of the things I did is I once or twice shared him the with him the parable of the debtors Hmm. and just said dude uh you're the guy who's been forgiven a trillion dollars and you're upset because she's she owes you a hundred okay um now again and we've talked about this what the other aspect that we had to do with forgiveness it's based on trust so she had to earn trust And they had to, for example, build a budget. And she had to live by that budget, which she did. And thankfully, today, they're still together. Man, what an incredible story. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think in that I hear you also talk about, you know, what does forgiveness ultimately do to help us grow? And I think that in those moments, it sounds like um, both couples, both individuals in that relationship had to be armed with empathy. In some way, shape, or form, which for me means there's a, an awareness and a willingness <laughs> to grow from a moment or grow from a, a time and a season. It sounded like, you know, both people had to to grow closer with being sensitive to each other's emotional needs, because in that moment, I'm sure, like you said, he came in like I'm done. But mm-hmm. his sensitivity had to change in regards to, well. Let me see, you know, how to navigate this with my wife if I was to make it work. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it sounds like also, you know, I don't I don't know how much Christ was a part of their I'm guessing Christ was a part of their relationship. Oh, very much so. So I think this sounds like, you know, it probably had to be a place where they allowed their hearts to be transparent before God, you know, in that moment. And lastly, it probably grounded them with humility, which in ultimate cases reduces pride and isolations effects. <laughs> Very much so. And so I think that those things are important, especially when we're like, okay, I'll work towards what it means to forgive as a spouse. But also, after just my personal aspect of forgiving someone or them forgiving me, how do we grow together? And it takes all those moments, humility, 
reducing pride. Pride is I'm going to see this without God. I'm going to do this without God. No, I need God. And so if I need God, I need to be honest. I need to be transparent. I need to be truthful. (laughs) I need to have some peace in my own tranquility of my emotions and thoughts. Right. And in that moment also, I'm saying, you know what? We're not starting over. We're just going to progress from where we're at. Mm, yeah, I like that. You know, and I think that that is all of what I just heard you say and share in that story. And I think that that is crucial if a couple is ever going to decide to grow from a point in time. Grow from a point in time, Kelly. That's that's huge. Um, I remember um, reading this article and this is one of my favorite authors, favorite pastors, Dallas, Texas, you know, was the uh, pastor that uh, did the prayers for all the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. Tony Evans. Tony mm. Evans, one of my favorite guys. His son now is, I think, the chaplain for the Cowboys. But uh, one, I was reading this article from his book, Kingdom Marriage. And he talks about this tidbit. I'm going to say it verbatim. He says uh, in First Corinthians 13 to five, he shares that biblical love keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't just justify wrong nor does it ignore wrong excuse it or pretend it doesn't exist all those types of responses lead to wrongdoing and that would lead to enablement rather biblical love acknowledges and addresses the wrong and then forgives it and then begins to release it and if we really want to release anything kelly we have to say that you know what i'm going to choose to grow with my spouse i'm going to release this thing i'm going to take time to do it and, you know, less and Leslie Perrette would say, well, marriage is the combination of two very good forgivers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that is so true in case of of what this looks like to forgive Kelly um, and forgive this aspect. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when we're thinking about, you know, I don't know if you have any more stories, but, you know, when we're thinking about as we wrap up this podcast, you know, what does it look like to to navigate, you know, forgiveness from if we just had a few crucial key points, Kelly, is there anything that you would add? And maybe I'll add something to that as well. Well, there's a verse. I'll, my, my final word on it would be a verse that I think is a really important verse in the Bible that we should meditate on really deeply. And it ties to forgiveness as well as it ties to just who we are as yeah. broken people. And the verse is Luke seven forty seven, mm-hmm. and it's a very simple verse. He who has been forgiven much mm-hmm. loves much. Mm-hmm. He who has been forgiven little loves little. Mm-hmm. So again, I think if you're married or if you're in a relationship or you got a relationship with your kids, whoever it is, it's within any relationship. He who has been forgiven much loves much. So make Make forgiveness a cornerstone, mm. not just a part, but a cornerstone of your relationship. Mm. That's so good. So I hear what I hear you saying is, oh, baby, I love you. Oh, baby, I forgive you. There you go. <laughs> you love her. Okay. Forgive her. Forgive there him. You go. Love him. That's good, Kelly. That's good. So it, I, I just think that if you have... um are maybe navigating or attempting to understand what forgiveness is, how it may impact or take part of your marriage. Hopefully again, you've enjoyed 
here in this podcast. You've enjoyed the aspects of what forgiveness is, what it's not, how to actually navigate it. And maybe like, Sam, okay, well, I listen to all this. I still need a wrap up. Well, let me give you some key points. (laughs) The key points are forgiveness is essential if you're going to be married. You know what? It's going to be a key part of who you do, who you are and who you become, what you do in the context of marriage. And literally, Kelly just said Luke 7 and 47. Love plus forgiveness is mm-hmm. going to make your marriage work. Uh, communication is key to forgiveness. You got to talk about it. Kelly would tell you to calendar your conversations mm-hmm. about it. Um, create moments of intimacy to share your pain. You know, you don't have to hide it. Um, I think also. Begin to think about what this means for you in a place of self-reflection and contemplation. You have to train your thoughts to contend against offense and the people who may commit that offense. And how you try to you train your brain? Well, you start to think about the things that are going to be helpful. The Bible says, think about these things that are praiseworthy, healthy, joyful, powerful. All those moments, you have to train your brain to do that, even in moments when there is pain. And lastly, trust has to be rebuilt. And that takes time. Take all the time that you need with your spouse to do that, but do it from a place of growing together, not from isolation. And so we hope that this podcast has been impactful for you, that you can take it, talk about it, journal about it. If you have tons of questions, which I hope you do, email us at caredatabob.org because me and Kelly, we want to support you. We want to love on you. We want to help your marriage and we want to help you grow. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope that you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your listening platform is and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.